Hello and welcome to Veritas. My name is John Mutt. You can follow me on Twitter at MuttLaw, on Facebook, facebook.com slash MuttLaw, or my blog, johnmuttlaw.com. The week that ended on April 1st, uh, 2016, in Puerto Rico, was filled with news on the Government Development Bank's financial situation. This is not new, although recently, in an opinion by George Jose Afuste in the case of Walmart Puerto Rico Inc. versus Zaragoza, 1530-18 in the United States District Court for the District of Puerto Rico, which came out on March 28, 2016. Very important information on the GDB came out. Okay, I'm going to quote from page 16 of the opinion. When other sources of funding have run dry, the Commonwealth can usually turn to the Government Development Bank for assistance. Under its charter, one of the main purposes of the bank is to lend money with or without security to the Commonwealth or to any agency or political subdivision of Puerto Rico. According to the Puerto Rico Treasury, the bank has historically served as the principal source of short-term liquidity for the Commonwealth and its instrumentalities. The bank is also Commonwealth's fiscal agent and financial advisor. The bank recently extended the Commonwealth a 300 million line of credit to help enhance its liquidity. The bank is now mired in a liquidity crisis of its own, however, further imperiling Puerto Rico's financial prospects because the bank, and I quote, serves as the principal depository of the funds of the Commonwealth and its instrumentalities close the quote in the opinion. Like so many aspects of Commonwealth finances, the bank's financial data is shrouded in secrecy. Although Puerto Rico law requires the bank to submit itself to regular examination and supervision by the Commissioner of Financial Institutions of the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, the bank has resisted ex uh, examination since at least 2013. In fact, the Commissioner's last comprehensive exam of the bank occurred in 2007. When in 2015 the commissioner approached the bank about conducting a liquidity review, the bank dragged its feet and took more than six months to disclose the minimum necessary information to produce the review. The commissioner later described the flow of information from the bank as extremely slow and inadequate. The commissioner was still able to evaluate the bank's internal financials, however, focusing particularly atten particular attention on the adequacy and sustainability of its liquidity levels. What the commissioner discovered may explain why the bank was so slow to cooperate. I'm going to stop the uh, quote of the opinion right now. What happens is that the uh, report that the commissioner made was used in the, in the trial, but was not made available to anybody because under Puerto Rican law, it is a secret and, and confidential document. I'm going to continue now on page 17 uh, continuing the quote I was making of the opinion. Based on the bank's internal information, the commissioner found that the bank's liquidity levels are critically deficient in relation to its weakened financial conditions caused by the elevated debt exposure and obstructed access to capital markets, rendering the continued viability of the bank questionable. The bank's, the bank's risks Tolerance limits are too liberal in light of its liquidity risk profile and do not provide any cushion for unexpected liquidity events or contingent liabilities that require additional disbursements of cash. The bank does not properly account for off-balance sheet items like its $1 billion in unfunded loan commitments. 
and 1.3 billion in standby letters of credit. The commissioner also found that the bank is currently experiencing a liquidity shortfall that will culminate in a shortfall of negative 1.348 billion in June 2016, which in turn will deprive the bank of its ability to maintain legal reserve levels. This shortfall is due in part to the fact that the bank's projected inflows from the Puerto Rico Treasury Department are significantly overstated. In conclusion, the commissioner found that the bank is insolvent. Under Section 11 of Act 17 of September 23, 1948. Stop the quote. Uh, that is the act that uh, creates the bank. I'm going to start the, continue the quote now. Secretary Zaragoza can, if he were to credit the commissioner's insolvency finding, petition the court of first instance to suspend the bank's operations and appoint a receiver. Although the secretary and president Acosta Febo have criticized some of the information underlying the commissioner's finding, the secretary is obviously concerned about the bank's continued continuing viability. I'm going to stop there and to make a, a uh, I was there in the trial during the uh, trial of this case. Uh, Ms. Kopax uh, testified for uh, Walmart. Ms. Kopax was the person in charge of determining in the Detroit uh, litigation whether the plan presented by the city was a viable plan. She was hired by Judge Rhodes. Okay? Judge Fuste, in this opinion, writes very highly of Ms. Kopax, who was an excellent witness. And I had the, the fortune of later, after her testimony ended, be able to speak to her. And she said, yes, Ms. Acosta is right to question some of the numbers, but when you look into them, as I did, and I'm quoting what she told me, you know, you you find out that actually the situation is worse in the in the bank in government development bank. Now I'm going to continue with the quote from the opinion. The Puerto Rico Treasury recently and independently concluded that the bank's financial condition has materially deteriorated and it will become unable to honor all of its obligations as they become due. Treasury has learned that the bank currently projects that it will be unable to comply with its legal level legal reserve requirement by late in the second quarter of fiscal year 2016 and that liquidity levels during such period may be insufficient to operate in the ordinary course as a depository institution as well as to honor its depository and financial obligations in full. Treasury has not only determined that the bank will not be able to continue to provide liquidity assistance in the near future, but it fears that if the bank were to be placed in receivership or its liquidity falls below a level necessary to operate in the ordinary course, the Commonwealth and its instrumentalities may have limited access to their funds deposited at the bank, which could in turn affect the provision of essential government uh, services. I now stop the quote of the uh, judge's opinion. This liquidity assessment in terms of the money deposited by the different agencies is very important. In the past year or two years, the government development bank in order to continue with its liquidity levels was obligated all agencies to take out deposits in financial institutions in Puerto Rico and put them in the bank. So therefore any money that the government actually generated, the government meaning the central government of course, would be deposited with the bank. So in any liquidity problem or, or liquidation or receivership, those monies would be handled by the trustee and the court and not by the bank. So therefore, 
probably there will be a big problem paying uh, the government. Now, there was a big rumor during the week, uh, and several sources that I have told me that it was true, that the government was actually going to liquidate the bank, or ask for the receiver, on Friday. This did not happen. However, the Nuevo Día, which is a very informed uh, newspaper who has lots of connections with the government, said on Friday that the government of Puerto Rico was actually taking out money from the bank and depositing in different uh, banks, specifically mentioning the Banco Popular Puerto Rico, which is the biggest bank, and Citibank, which actually has no presence in Puerto Rico. It used to have, now it doesn't. So that's uh, a little dicey there of what actually is going on. Also, the Bolsero, which is another uh, important newspaper in Puerto Rico, uh, reported that the government was actually considering, seriously considering, a moratorium, either a, a moratorium by agreement with the principal creditors of the ban government development bank, or a moratorium by law. The governor actually addressed an a, a, the, the Commonwealth at 6 o'clock on Friday, saying that all possibilities were on the table. In addition, on March 30th, the Government Development Bank had a press release, and part of it says, As part of our efforts, given the uncertainty of reaching an agreement before the next debt payments become due, which, by the way, become due on May 1st, and as we inform the market through public documents, we're also considering all legal options available and their potential impact on employees, customers, creditors, and Puerto Rico. Now, on the 1st, the Government Development Bank had another press release that says that the Government Development Bank became aware of rumors claiming that a bill will be introduced today to shut down the bank. The rumor is false and the GBD will neither shut down nor be privatized. I continue quoting, these options will possibly address the issues facing the bank will not involve the dismissal of public employees. This latter part is very important. Uh, the governor has said time and time again that he's not going to fire any uh, employees, public employees, which uh, many people consider was the reason why the previous governor, Fortunio, lost the election, although by a very small margin. But that's neither here nor there. That's the promise the governor has always had. And I continue to quote, as we have stated publicly, the government is also considering additional measures to address this situation, such as declaring a temporary moratorium, moratorium on payments and amending the GBD charter. Obviously, in order to do that, they need legislation. They would need, in the House, which is a very peculiar situation, the government has a three-vote majority. The New Progressive Party, which is in minority, will not vote for, it, for any of this. But if three of the um, popular democratic legislatures of the House of Representatives were to change their vote, no bill could be um, approved at that time. So that's always an important uh, possibility. Now I'm going to address the issue of the Government Development Bank Law. Okay. Section 4 of the Government Development Bank law specifically states that the bank is hereby authorized to act as the fiscal agent of the Commonwealth government, its agencies, municipalities, of the Secretary of the Treasury for the purpose of registering, authenticating, countersigning the bonds, notes, or other evidences of indebtedness of the Commonwealth government, its agencies, and municipalities, and of the Secretary of the Treasury of Puerto Rico. 
this government agency is extremely important it is the financial arm of the government it's very important in section 5 it is hereby found and declared that the purpose for which the bank is created is to aid the commonwealth government in the performance of its fiscal duties and more effectively to carry out its governmental responsibilities to develop the economy of Puerto Rico, particularly with respect to its industrialization, and it's a public purpose in all respects for the benefit of the people of Puerto Rico, and therefore the bank shall not be required to pay any taxes. Blah, blah. Yeah, very important. This uh, section five also says that the government of Puerto Rico is not liable for the indebtedness of the bank. It's kind of strange that it says that because it is acting as if were part of the government but that's neither here nor there it's for the courts to determine whether it is part of the government or it's not and therefore the government of puerto rico could be liable or not as to their debts okay section six is six is also important the bank shall maintain a reserve of not less than 25 percent uh, 20 percent i'm sorry of its liability on account of deposits very important that's by law which can be changed tomorrow of course but it, it is it it is not going to be changed so easily. Now, Section 10 establishes that the bank shall be subject to the examination by the uh, supervision by the Treasurer of Puerto Rico and also by the Comptroller of Financial Institutions, as the judge already said. In addition, the bank, and then quoting again, the bank shall also be subject to an annual examination and audit by certified public accounts of national reputation selected by the board of directors of the bank. But that audit has not yet finished, which is also part of the problem that we don't have the financial certified financial audit of the government of Puerto Rico. Now, Section 12 is of extreme importance. If, in consequence of an examination or report made by an examiner, the treasurer of Puerto Rico shall have reason to believe that the bank is not in sound financial condition or that its affairs are conducted in such a manner as to endanger its funds or other assets or the bank shall refuse to submit its, its books. I'm going to stop the quote there because we already have two problems. We know that it's not in sound financial condition and it's refused to submit its books. I'm going to continue with the local documents and affairs for the inspection of any duly authorized examiner where shall fail to establish reserve as required by this act after 30 days notice by the treasurer of Puerto Rico or if it shall become insolvent in the judgment of treasurer of Puerto Rico. I'm going to stop there. Right now we know also that it is insolvent that is, as is in the government of Puerto Rico insolvent also. The treasurer shall report such acts to the governor. The governor, and this word is very important, may then direct the treasurer to apply to the district court. Actually, it is the court of first instance in this case. For the judicial district where the main office of the bank is located, which is San Juan, and if after having heard the bank, the court deems that the facts alleged by the treasurer are well founded, then the court shall proceed to appoint a receiver to suspend operations and settle the obligations of the bank. The suspended obligations is very important. That's why they're taking the money out of the bank, which could be, I'm going to go into that later, but could be considered also a violation. Okay. It continues saying the receiver upon his appointments shall have under the direction of the district court take possession of the assets and liabilities, books, including the minute book, records, papers, files of every description belonging to the bank and shall collect all loans, fees, and claims of the bank and shall see to the payment of its obligations and debts and of the necessary expenditures of the receivership. 
he shall proceed to settle the affairs of the bank as soon as possible, and to this end he may sell the personal real property and other assets of the bank subject to the order of the district court. Now, uh, aside from the deposits from the different agencies, the bank has as assets basically the loans it has issued to, for example, the Department of Transportation, which is insolvent, and many municipalities, which, lo and behold, many of them are insolvent. So there is a problem there. Now, let's go to section 12. If any director of the bank shall violate or normally or negligently permit any of the officers, agents, or employees to violate any law or any of the provisions of the charter of the bank, the matter shall be reported to the governor. We all know that they have violated parts of the, of the charter of the bank and nothing will be done. Now let's go to section 14, which is very important. All transfers of notes, bonds, bills of exchange or credits of the bank or of deposits to the credit thereof and all assignments, mortgages, security on real property or of judgments or decrees in favor of the bank and all deposits of money, gold, silver, and bars or other thing of value and all payments of money to its creditors made while the bank is insolvent, which we know it is since 2015, or in anticipation of insolvency, and definitely it is, with the intent of preventing the application of the assets of the bank in the manner prescribed in this act, paying of the debt, or with the intent of giving preference to one creditor over another. Obviously, if you have a deposit, you're a creditor to that deposit, so you're giving this creditor greater preference than other creditors, shall be null and ineffective and no attachment, levy, execution, foreclosure, or writ of injunction shall issue against the bank or against its properties before final judgment is rendered in any suit or action or proceeding in the court of first instance. So it's null and void. So all this could turn back. We don't know. Now, section 15, criminal liability. Any officer, employee, or agent of the bank who shall receive any deposit knowing that the bank is insolvent shall be guilty of a misdemeanor amount of such deposit is less than $25. $25. $25. Or if the amount or value of such deposit is $25 or over, such person shall be guilty of a felony and shall be punished by imprisonment, imprisonment of not less than one nor more than five years or by a fine of not less than $500 nor more than $3,000 or by both penalty. Now I want to re uh, remind people that many of the, the persons who are directors or have been directors in the past of the bank have professional licenses. Melba Costa, the president, not only is a CPA but is also a lawyer. If you're found guilty of a, of a felony or misdemeanor that in, involves falsity, guess what? They can take away your license. So that's another problem. Again. Now, Section 19. No amendment to this act or to any other law of Puerto Rico shall impair any obligations or commitments to the bank. Interesting. I don't know you guys, but I think that this problem has not ended here and that bondholders, if there is litigation, will have a field day uh, dealing with this. Also, there is question here whether there could be a federal jurisdiction under the SEC. I do know that there are criminal violations, criminal liability under 10b-5. Guess we will have to wait to see what happens. Now, uh, 
finally, I'm going to go into the um, bond agreements. There is a indenture agreement of February 17, 2006, which deals with most of the bonds or all of the bonds that have been issued after such date, which obviously are the, mo the most uh, probable that there will be a default. Now, there is an acceleration clause in them. So in other words, if there's a default or if you go into a receivership, the, the summary of the indenture agreements, because the indenture agreements I have not been able to locate yet, but the documents accompanying the bonds do state so in the summary, there will be an acceleration of the debt and it's going to be due and payable. Not only that, but if there is a, a default, you need to do specific things required in the indenture. You have to notify the trustee. You need to have at least 25 of the creditors wanting to sue and you have to uh, submit this case in the court of first instance in San Juan. There is what is called a forum shopping agreement in the or at least according to the uh, summary of the indenture agreement. You have to go to the court of first instance. That includes, interestingly enough, proceeding at law or in equity. Equity would be like an injunction. Questionable whether you can go to the federal court to say that your constitutional rights have been violated. That's an open question. So therefore, we need to deal with this if there's litigation. Well, I hope that this has helped you guys dispel or understand a little bit better what's going on in Puerto Rico. Thank you for listening in. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mutlaw, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mutlaw, or on my blog, johnmutlaw.com where you can also find my contact information. Like Senator Patrick Moynihan said, you have a right to your own opinions, but not to your own facts.